When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Talk Tuners. Lately, I've been making some positive changes in my life, but it definitely wasn't easy, nor did it happen overnight. With the help of talk therapy, I've been able to grow and unlearn behaviors and beliefs that were causing me to feel stuck. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. And special offer to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash Steph and Steph. That's betterhelp.com slash Steph and Steph. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Hello, hello, Talk Tuners. Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. How are we doing? I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey y'all, Stephanie Pena here. What's up? Stephanie, we are at episode 28. We are. We are. Each time I am more and more happily surprised as we fill out this beautiful archive. Absolutely. It's so, so cool. I'm so glad guys you are enjoying the show and we're happy to be here. We got a good one today. Um, we are talking um, about the New York Dolls, but before we do that, let's talk about something that Myers, uh, she went to an event that was pretty cool, um, and I'm, I'm not going to steal the show. Steph, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to share it with the talk tuners. I recently saw the music documentary, Take Me to the River. Really cool. It's out right now. It's directed and produced by Martin Shore, who's fantastic. I got to see it in um, a Q&A format, which was really, really neat to Q&A with him. The movie itself is really great. It was all about New Orleans music, the New Orleans music scene, how far reaching that is too, Mm -hmm. and the origins of it as well, which I've realized not everybody really knows. It really is its own microcosm. um, And it's amazing how it's survived and how it's evolved Mm -hmm. over the years. They interview everybody in the documentary from Snoop Dogg to Aaron Neville and kind of everyone in between. And it was really neat. It was very captivating. I think even if you're walking in with 
almost no knowledge of the New yeah. Orleans music scene. But Martin did a little Q&A with us afterwards, and that was so neat. We got to talk about the film. And Stephanie, I know you're just a big fan of New Orleans, too. So I do feel like you'd appreciate this movie, and I wish you could have seen it. Yeah, no, for sure. I actually have a question for you because when it, um, as a resident metalhead, New Orleans actually is the birthplace of swamp metal. And I'm curious to know if that was part of the documentary. It was not, but they should have because that's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw actually a uh, metal band. Sorry, y'all, by the name of Goat Whore, and they're from New Orleans, and they are old school. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. But they're a badass band. But the thing is, it's about the music, right? Um, and the cool thing about uh, Swamp Metal is that um, it's it has the groove. So, you know, you have like, you know, it's it's got that Southern style. It's got Southern flair. And you can totally tell the influences on mainstream metal artists like Lamb of God. I'm there watching. I'm like, that's Lamb of God. That's they so got cool. All, Lamb got all their shit from them. Anyway, really cool. Just a side note because yeah, eclectic. New Orleans music scene is so eclectic. I mean, I you know Jeff and I got married in New Orleans, so it does hold a very near and dear uh, place in my heart. But even before that, I used to go uh, by myself with you know, other friends and stuff. So no, that's awesome. I have to check it out. Take me to the river. All right, cool. Very cool. Yeah, and there should be an entire separate documentary. I feel like it's just about swamp metal. I would absolutely. Well, I'm gonna that. have to do it. Oh, uh, please. <laughs> Need somebody who's passionate about it to actually direct it. Yeah, we can have Shania Salt come on because you know the guitarist from White Zombie. She lives in New Orleans now. And anyway, sorry, I'm not gonna go on the tangent, but that <laughs> gets me excited though. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, very cool. So check it out. Take me to the river. Highly recommend it. I'm always watching music documentaries, and I know we have talk tuners who love their music yeah. documentaries too. So for sure, recommend that. And shifting gears a little bit, really excited about the band of the song we're here to talk about today, which is the incredible New York Dolls and the classic "Looking for a Kiss." When I say I'm in love, you best believe I'm in love. L-U-V. kissy noises and that would be fair and that would really reflect the song (laughs) reflect everything Um, but i just don't want to kiss my microphone right now so we'll just i'll just refrain yeah that's fine that's fine it's allowed it's allowed (laughs) we'll save it new york dolls man you can't say that you can't say that band name without like some excitement (laughs) totally totally they're amazing and i'm excited you know stuff it's funny because we get um we get little messages from talk tuners and they're like you introduced me to new songs. Um, mm-hmm. they, let's definitely find it. So I hope 
today, some folks will be introduced to the New York Dolls for the first time because God Hell knows yeah, I'm man. very excited about them. So yes, and yes. I, as you know, love talking about them. For sure. This is, and just for you talk tuners to know, man, Stephanie was actually a person that uh, introduced me to New York Dolls, and she's Which a I forgot. Super fan. I completely yeah. forgot that. She's a super fan, man. And, uh, you know, she, she's got a lot of knowledge she's about to drop. So let's do this. I am about to drop some knowledge. So New York Dolls started back in the 70s. They were doing glam rock when a lot of people weren't doing glam rock and blazed really a path during that time when they knew that also music uh, needed to be visual and that that was the way forward, which is also very ahead of its time. This was years and years before MTV. So I always right. think that's, you know, doubly cool that they, mm-hmm. they knew. It's like, we have to continue an aesthetic here. Mm-hmm. But um, the album that Looking for a Kiss is off of is their self-titled debut album, which is produced by the awesome Todd Rundgren. He has produced Me Loves Bad Out of Hell, and then bands from Sparks, Badfinger, The Tubes, Cheap Trick, and Hollow Notes, who we've talked about in a previous episode. And Todd's, of course, if you know Todd Rundgren, you probably know the name, but he's an amazing musician in his own right. And has self-produced his own work, um, written countless songs. He's fantastic. So I think he was a great person to produce this album, which is so, it's so cohesive and of its time that I think yeah. it's one of my top 10 favorite albums from any band of all time. It's fronted by uh, David Johansson, who's the last remaining original member of the dolls and uh, we'll get to a little bit of their history, but um, the band did contain Sylvain Sylvain, Arthur Killer Kane, Johnny Thunders, Billy Mercia, Rick Rivets, mm. Jerry Dolan. And David's the one who remains. And I have a long running love of all things, David Johansson, <laughs> which I will expound upon because he's absolutely fantastic. And I really think the heart of the band, especially guiding them in that glam rock way, which I, I love. I adore it. Yes. Yes. And man, y'all, this album we're talking about, you wouldn't think it's from the seventies. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you would think like, oh yeah. I mean, cause you can tell obviously, you know, music has evolved over the years, but it is to me, it's timeless. Like I, I could literally be like, oh, when did that come out the nineties or did that, you know, it's, it's rock and roll. It's rock and roll and their look was glam and that was definitely setting them apart. And of course, you know, they are, they are around in the punk scene as well. I mean, it was kind of a, how do, how do I say it? A, uh, a blend because, yeah. you know, during that time, you know, both scenes were coming out and so they weren't necessarily separated. Um, so yeah, New York Dolls is often considered a punk band as well, but y'all <laughs> great album. Totally. I love this album so much. So folks may have also heard the different tracks on this album, Flute's Personality Crisis, Lonely Planet Boy, Trash, Pills, More. I've been a fan of them since I was in college. At that point, got into just older glam rock, uh, this type of uh, punk scene and these different folks who were kind of in that scene with them. Yeah. uh, Had discovered this album. And Looking for a Kiss is really interesting because it's not only, I think, one of their great cuts, in my opinion, their top cuts, but it's also a great showcase of their 60s girl group influences, which they wore mm-hmm. on their sleeve. Another reason why I love David Johansson, um, just wore those influences um, on their sleeve, the New York Dolls. And the opening line of this song, when I say I'm in love, you best believe I'm in love, L-U-V, is taken directly 
from the Shangri-La's track, Give Him a Great Big Kiss. Yes. Listen to them side by side. And it's a really fun experience because I like things like that because I'm a music nerd. So it's really fun to listen to alongside. Mm -hmm. Shangri-Las were this amazing group in their own right. Uh, They were teens when they hit big. You probably know them from their hit single, Leader of the Pack, which of course was huge. And then if you're on TikTok recently, then you almost definitely know the audio of, oh, no, 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 no. That's originally from the Shangri-Las cut, remember parentheses walking in the sand. I thought everyone knew that when I'd heard that audio on TikTok. And then I realized like, of course, like things have sliced and diced over the years. So I was like, oh, I should actually mention that because I would like to get the Shangri-Las some new fans too, because they're awesome. So anyway, that's probably where you've heard them if you're on that medium a lot. So they're this great all-girl band, female-fronted band, but all-women band. has this long record of influence that just continues in all these forms to this day. And the New York Dolls were one of those bands that were very heavily influenced by them. So I've already talked about their aesthetic, but they really carved out their own niche um, in the New York glam rock scene at the time. They were known for their shows, and that's how they made their name. That's how they really carved out who they were. They were known for these incredible stage shows. I had, uh, when I first got into them, like, oh, man, I just want to see these guys. We're not together at the time, but we'll get around to that because eventually I got to make my dreams come true. For sure, man. And I swear it, it was just something about this time. It was magical. I mean, you yeah. said you, you know, Steph, you started, you know, following them when you were in college and we saw them shortly after we both graduated. So, I mean, that's, it's crazy. And y'all, um, your dolls yeah, absolutely love them too. Thank you, Stephanie, for introducing me to them. They are great. Like I've said before, listen to their music is timeless, man. And, um, they were everywhere. So let's go back. This is like 2004. Okay. This is when Steph and I saw him and we'll talk about that in more detail in a bit, but they were everywhere. Like seriously everywhere. You'd go to just any, you know, little dive bar, go to a restaurant, you'd hear it. You'd hear different songs. And I thought that was so cool. I've said this before in in another episode, but it felt like to me, it was like a Renaissance area for music. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, it, it was, my God, especially in the Lower East Side. And that's where they play a lot. That's where, you know, that's yeah. where it all began. That's the epicenter of yeah. that culture of mm-hmm. that genre. And, you know, definitely you can say a quote unquote huge cult following because they're not really a commercially successful band. Yeah. I mean, they're not. They're not the Sex Pistols, you know, right. or, you know, and then we talk about glam. Like we, you know, even um, and a from season one, we talk about poison and, uh, you know, and talk dirty to me and how they were heavily influenced. Cause yes, they had the glam look as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but yeah, that commercial success, New York dolls never saw that. Um, but as far as the song itself, um, definitely love it. It's fun. It's catchy. Um, you know, if folks, you know, want to know what the song means are, uh, our fellow podcast song facts that's part of the Pantheon network. They uh, basically let us know and educated us that the song alludes to heroin use. So yeah. something that was definitely very major on the scene um, in the lower East side and just in general in different major cities in the U S. Um, but I want to talk about um, Johnny thunders. And the reason why I want to bring him up 
Uh, Stephanie just mentioned David Johansson and David Johansson definitely did not stop his career with New York Dolls. Um, we have a lot of fun treats here and you guys are gonna be like, what? I, it's going to happen. Cause I know what happened to me. And you're like, what? <laughs> that dude. So anyway, but let's talk about Johnny Thunders. Cause there may be some listeners who, um, you know, know that name. Um, and because Johnny Thunders, yes, he was the guitarist for the New York Dolls, but he also had a successful, and I say successful, but it's still a cult following of sorts, um, you know, solo act. Um, well, he, he joined another band. So let me just put it that way. He did solo music, but he, he did have another band as well. But the one thing that circles around Johnny Thunders, and I'm sorry, I'm just a true crime and mystery type lover, are all the conspiracies that circle around his death in New Orleans. So crazy that you talk about, you know, that we're just talking about New Orleans. So in New Orleans in 1991, that's unfortunately where Johnny Thunders met his fate. And, um, you know, he was basically, he was, he was found a couple of days after he passed. And there's been a lot of different scenarios on how he may have passed. So for instance, um, there is a film actually out called um, Room 37. Um, the Mysterious Death of Johnny Thunders is directed by Vicente Cordero and Fernando Cordero. Um, came out in 2019. And basically the film is a fictional exploration of those theories around Thunder's death. Um, and as far as, you know, this scene, we recently just talked about, um, the Ramones, right? So the Ramones are from, you know, New York is yes, they're from Queens, but they played in Lower East Side as well in Manhattan. Okay. For those who are not familiar with these neighborhoods, main Island, Manhattan. And, um, you know, one of, uh, the members of, uh, of the Ramones, Didi, he was really good friends with Thunders and he claimed that he had heard he was drugged, robbed and murdered. So, um, awful way to go, but supposedly the autopsy showed there wasn't a lethal amount of drugs in his system at time of death. And there was a suggestion that maybe, maybe he had leukemia. So what? Anyway, I got to check this movie out, but I knew that there was like so many floaty conspiracies. Um, but aside from that, Johnny Thunders, um, he led the band, the Heartbreakers, and he was a member of Gang War as well. And I, like I mentioned, he was also a solo artist as well. Um, other songs that you guys may have learned, these are all in the seventies, Born to Lose, Chinese Rocks. You may even hear the version from the Ramones because uh, that's a song that was written by Dee Dee. Um, and so I just wanted to, to bring that to light as well, because this band is just full of talented musicians. Pretty cool. Totally. Totally. And he had, he had so much going on just musically. Right. And it died in a sad way. Yeah. We'll see in 91, supposedly he went down to new Orleans to just relax and supposedly just get it together. That's what he was trying to do was kind of rehab. So I don't know, man, this is, and yeah, I I'm, I'm a little obsessed with these stories. I, I just yeah. like true crime and all this. So I was just like, man, this is crazy. So yeah. right. But yeah. And that's what we do on this show too, right? Is like we connect the dots for folks so that they can like see this bigger picture. And I'm going to connect uh, some further dots for some talk tuners um, who might not yeah. know this or might be listening to us and say, oh, are you going to talk about some stuff he was known for? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we are. So as uh, many listeners might know, Johnny was also known for being uh, really racist and misogynistic and was even like called out for that. Uh, in his solo shows and in reviews, like by reviewers. So hooray. Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> so 
you know, it's, and that's, that's everywhere. So I want to make sure it's like folks, uh, know about that. Um, as you know, it's like we connect the dots on the show and we don't gloss over inconvenient facts, even if we're big fans of the music. And there's some facts about Johnny that showed up over and over. There's that, there's reviews of his shows where it's just like, this guy is uh, saying really terrible things on stage about people. Um, there's a piece in Advocate that talks about his sexism and homophobia. He used the F word to describe gay men in one of his solo songs. I'm not going to say it. I think yeah. he figured it out. Use the N word in another song. Not going to say the title of that song. But yeah, and even the dolls themselves had a history of using kind of a bit of rose colored glasses when they talked about Johnny. Um, they dedicated You Can't Put His Arms Around a Memory to him in every show that I saw. I'd seen several times. And you kind of see occasionally history being glossed over, not only around him, but just around a lot of people of this time yeah. and genre. If we're just painting a bigger brush, like people just kind of got passes for being pretty terrible people um that's <laughs> true you know i read more than one article that compared his views to like a modern day ted nugent um Gross. so yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah. and uh, to your earlier point uh stephanie it's like some people call the dolls glam rock and some call them punk because of the different circles that they ran in and exactly. i also like to just yeah so like to just mention as a, a punk fan whenever I get the chance, it's important to have this awareness that the punk scene itself harbored a lot of racism. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's just something that I think is important to bring up for any punk fans out there listening to have an awareness of things that the scene uh, harbors and historically has like kind of uh, covered up for. So we sell this because, uh, yeah, it's an ongoing theme in our podcast. Bottom line is you can be really good at your craft and still be train wreck of a human being. <laughs> you see that excused in the entertainment sector a lot. We connect this music to larger themes here. So, you know, let's as a society maybe all do better in who we decide to canonize um, just because of their profession. Be like, oh, this Joe Bob over here is a hardcore racist, misogynistic homophobe, but he's great at Excel. Hopefully that kind of comment is also seen as ridiculous. And I hope people also just aren't automatically canonized because of the profession that they're in, because it's really easy, I think, to... Um, the history books to gloss over things. So end rant, but it's really important because if you're going to look up Johnny later in any context, you're going to see yeah. So I'm not telling anything that you're not going to find. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it's just, let's just call it out. Like we have before. I mean, just rock and roll. It's very, it's a male dominant world. I mean, we talk about misogyny and shit, man. He's not exclusive. I mean, yeah. that's just, um, we're just keeping it real y'all. So yeah. anyway, but like Stephanie said, end, end rant, but I'm glad you shared that because it is important. So, um, but yeah, let's move on to the first time. Well, I saw, that was the first time you saw them too. So the first time we saw them. Yeah. So Talk Tuners, we finally did get to see the dolls at long last when they reunited. And it was an interesting little uh, history that they did to reunite. As with uh, several things we've talked about the show, the New York Dolls Resurgence came back to Morrissey, of all people. <laughs> Wait, hold on, pause. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, right? it's not, but it is. Like, right. I don't know. It's not, right. but it is. I don't it's know. funny. Like, it's <laughs> funny. And it's just like, here he is again. Here's us. Um, this little sad man listens to really <laughs> fun New York Dolls music. So, anyway. <laughs> he loves them. It was so heavily influenced by the mm -hmm. Dolls, which is also, like, fascinating to me. Yep. So, yeah, it really came back to Morrissey. He was a New York Dolls super fan. He organized a reunion of the Dolls in London. 
in 2004. And um, he is the reason why they subsequently reunited to play in New York after, um, you know, many years of being apart. And it was shortly thereafter. So we were fortunate enough to catch that show. That was the Little Stevens Underground Garage Rock Festival on Randall's Island um, in July in 2004. And it was, I think, one of the my favorite shows that I've ever seen, just in terms of the showcase, yeah. mm-hmm. um, who all was there. I'm so glad we got to go together. Number of bands played that day, just so folks understand. Like, it wasn't just the Dolls, which would have been awesome in its own right. It's also the Stooges. So, like, Iggy Pop was there. Uh, Nancy Sinatra, who's great. Bo Diddley. Um, and others. And uh, I have to say here as an aside too, the Dolls actually had a Bo Diddley connection. Uh, His song Pills is one they covered on their self-titled album. So they were heavily influenced by Bo Diddley and the Dolls very early on in their career uh, when they were, I think, just playing together probably before they'd even uh, released their first album. They went to one of his shows and they would shout Pills, Pills at Bo as he was playing. And Bo didn't realize he wanted to hear his song. And he was just like, these kids want their drugs and they keep shouting at me. Like he didn't know. So I thought that was, he just like, it was kind of a B cut of his. And he was just like, I guess they want some pills. I don't know. And (laughs) that was awesome. First of all. So it was so cool that like the dolls and Bo Diddley are playing a show together. And I really did think it all came full circle when they're playing on the same bill. And it was just incredible on so many levels (laughs) i just loved it so much uh to see all of that happening over the course of a day and uh, i have so many great memories of the show including me insisting on going as far to the front against the front barriers as i could Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. somebody should have stopped me from doing that but it was all in this you know giant field area and i think stephanie you were smart enough to go sit somewhere probably like more comfortable Mm-hmm. like enjoy the show or something. And I was like, who's going to like, I'm going to go do this. It was like, no, it's a doll. Like I'm going to be front. So uh, uh, I will yeah. say like getting up front like that. Yeah. Blowing up my eardrums is probably the last times I attempted to be that close at a GA concert. You know, you get close against the barrier. You eventually like bruise your ribs a little bit. And it was just, you know, it was a lot. I don't think I was wearing earplugs, which was stupid, but anyway. Of course we weren't. We were young. We <laughs> yeah, just graduated was college. <laughs> I was we- young. We were yeah. immortal. <laughs> yeah, can't so believe. So rock and roll. Yeah. I'm going to wear earplugs. I'll just be near the speakers. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's a great spot. Yeah, this is fantastic. So uh, it was right up front in this case. Like, I have great memories from it. So that was worth it. But I'd waited so many years to see them live. So it was incredible to see them like this. And they were, just to paint the picture for folks, all dressed in their glam rock attire and forms of it. And I thought that was awesome. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like, this is who we are. This is part of the band of who we are. And I thought that was so cool to see. And like I said, I never thought I'd be able to see them actually uh, play out the way they started like that. So crazy. I thought that was really cool. And then (laughs) I told you I'd come back to David Johansson. So I have to, I just, I love him as a front man. I think he's so incredible. Um, I love him so much. People are wondering, I realize there's folks who may not have made this the connection that I'm about to make. I'd be like, oh, was David just hanging out over these years and like waiting for a New York Dolls reunion? Folks may or may not know. Um, in the 80s- to live in New York. Yeah, I'd be like, this is weird. 
Like, what were you doing? Uh, in the 80s, though, he was Buster Poindexter. He was lounge lizard extraordinaire of hot, hot, hot fame. That's a huge hit. And I'm sure you've heard that. So David never really went away. And that's, you know, props to him for saying, I'm actually going to take these chameleon tendencies and I'm going to reinvent myself. So I loved that he was like, yeah, I'm coming back as the lead singer of the New York Dolls and I'm going to honor my glam rock roots. And it was so, so cool. Uh, I did get to see them a couple more times after this reunion show, but I think this was my favorite Dolls show, uh, especially to be able to see them really right after they reunited. And I just felt so lucky at that show. I just felt so lucky. So yeah, luck is definitely the key word. I definitely felt super lucky. And not only just to see, just like you're, you know, mentioned Nancy Sinatra, man, that, that's my girl, love her. That's my woman. I was super stoked about that. But also y'all, this particular show was presented by Little Steven. And I have to give him props because Little Steven is just one of the most, I love the word eclectic because it, it's a great word. It makes yep. me smile. Eclectic entertainers that I know of. So just to ring the bell and connect the dots, he is a member of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band and the one, the only, Mr. Silvio Dante in The Sopranos. <laughs> so I love The Sopranos. I love The Sopranos. I can't, I'm a, I'm a super fan. And I have to say, Coming over to the East Coast, I was so excited to be like, yeah, show me where the spots of Sopranos were filmed and so forth. And I was so stoked that I was able to go to a show that was hosted, promoted the whole night. He was on, on, on stage all the time to introduce people. And that was super cool and very, very, very special. Um, but, you know, and then if you're not connecting the dots, maybe I can give you some little bit more about his, uh, you know, his career. Some may remember him from Netflix first original show from 2012 called Lily Hammer. This show actually debuted in the Netherlands, but for some reason, I think it's made it over to the U.S., but it kind of mirrors like a Sopranos theme. So anyway, there's that. And then for those folks that have the Sirius XM on their phone, they stream it from their phone or they're in their car jamming, he has his own channel. Of course he does, because he has amazing taste in music, and it's called Underground Garage. So anyway, I just had to give little Steve, uh, little Steven his props because he is amazing. So for the show itself, I want to talk a little bit about the logistics. Oh my god! So I had never at this point taken public transportation in the norm because where I am from, San Antonio, and even Austin, um, Austin has somewhat of a good at that time. It's somewhat, but there's still behind the times when it comes to public trans. Of course, that's not the case on the East Coast. To get to the show, y'all, I took a train, then a bus, <laughs> then a ferry. <laughs> what? A train, a bus, then a ferry. And, you know, Steph was telling me, yeah, so we're going to go to the show, and this is how we're going to get there. And I'm like, okay, uh, okay. This is going to be quite the adventure. So, Stephanie, probably I was sitting my ass on that fucking blanket because I'm like, I'm tired. Do you know how many modes of transportation we took to get this little island? Like, I am tired. Give me a like beer, a water, and a blanket. I'm a chill. So, just want to paint that, y'all. So, for good folks that don't live in the city or haven't visited and know what Randall's Island's about, like, it is an island, its own separate island. You have to take a ferry um, or some other mode of transportation, some other mode of transportation to get there. Um, you know, 
And, you know, as far as the lineup, one band that, um, that, the, that was on the bill that Stephanie didn't mention was the Strokes. And the Strokes at that time was just getting on the scene. And they were um, known as, uh, you know, kind of bringing back that 70s style of music to the forefront. And just being real, I have some New Yorker pals that supposedly went to school with them, and I'm sure they did. And they didn't, they weren't, they weren't really liked because they do come from affluent families. I actually read an article um, in Rolling Stone that totally called that out and been like, yeah, so they're, they're, you know, bringing back this style, but they're not living the life. Right. And so I'm not, not dissing them on any means because they are talented musicians, but just, just laying out the facts. So they were there too. So I hope they felt fucking lucky because they were really fucking lucky. It's anyway, true. really lucky to be a part of a show with people of that magnitude, period. Yeah. So it was, it was really great, y'all. It was definitely a, a wonderful time worth the 3 billion modes of transportation it took yeah. to get there when the dolls played i got up on the blanket and i danced but i didn't run to the front <laughs> um and it was cool we did end up picking a spot that was pretty good so they didn't look everyone didn't look like tiny ants but we were still far away so i didn't have the great front row view that stephanie did but um yeah it was it was awesome um and i'm sad i never got to see them again after that um, so yeah, jealous, but Steph, I'm glad that was a good, very, very good, um, memory. When you came back from their set, you were just like, I don't know, like you had won a million dollars or something like you were, <laughs> you, were, you were just over the moon and that's the coolest thing. And that's something that I absolutely love about our friendship is that both of us, we get so stoked and we're so very passionate exciting. about the music we love, Dude, like phenomenal, phenomenal. And on, on that vein, so we're going to close this out. Um, I do want to give you a little bit of a teaser, guys. So Stephanie and I, as you know, we live on separate parts of the planet. She's on the West Coast. I'm on the Third Coast, also known as Texas. <laughs> and um, so we are going to go to the Riot Fest, which is in Chicago. And that's scheduled for September 16th through um, the 18th. And I'm sure we're going to have some fun public transportation stories on that. So for listeners that do know about Riot Fest, it is off the loop, but um, it's still a bit of a walking distance. So if there are any listeners out there that have been to Riot Fest, know the logistics, can give us some tips, we'd be grateful. Completely grateful. I mean, we're not amateurs, but every every show and every place is unique and amenities are unique and et cetera, et cetera. I don't have to go into that. We're all music lovers here. We get it. Um, but super stoked. And I'm sure we're going to have some funny stories to share with you that are um, more current than our past. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And if you've got a Riot Fest, guys, yeah, reach out. We want to hear all about your experience, how that was. Um, different lineup every year, of course. It's going to be really cool. going to be really cool. As you know, we're a proud member of the Pantheon Network. We love being a member and we love our fellow podcasts. And of course, thank you, Talk Tuners, for listening. We couldn't do this without you. We really appreciate the great reviews that we've seen, uh, great feedback on Twitter and on Good Pods. Um, so thank you. And if you want to order gear, you can still do that. StephanieStockTunes.com. We got your summer tank, coffee mug, beer glass, whatever you want for people who are interested in supporting independent podcasts. Yes. My friend Jennifer got the magnet. So I love cool. it that every time she opens up her fridge, she thinks yeah. of us. I so, love that. Yeah. So I um, love that. Go shopping. And y'all, you know, on the socials, man, you know that you can reach us via email at Stephanie's talk tunes at Gmail. And then you can reach us at, 
at Stephanie's Talk Tunes on IG, FB, and TikTok. On Twitter, we are at Stephanie's Talk. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. It was amazing. Um, Yeah, I'm going to, I'm walking away with this one with a big old smile on my face, y'all. I'll see you next time. It's Denya. Bye. Myers, peace out, guys. See you next episode. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.